0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 89 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by noise.car.uk and sponsored by Stereo Brown Records. I am your host slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I'm joined by, as always, Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis, as well as the owner extraordinaire of noise.co.uk, Mr. Jack Holloway. Jack Holloway, I am going to come to you first, boss man. Welcome to another album of the year episode for the Noise Podcast. It is a pleasure to have you back with us, mate.
1: Thank you for having me. Please stop introducing me like that. I ask every year. Make it stop.
0: I've got no other way. I can't think of another one. I'm not intelligent enough to have it two looked, different ways of introducing you.
1: Just the head's too big going in. You, are the, adrenaline rush, I need it, need you are the the owner,
0: and you are extraordinary. You're extraordinary for having the guts and courage to give me and Sam a platform to talk about music on. Trust me. <laughs> no. I'm there pretty, are a few I mean, people
1: that would do this. It, it's taken some guts this year because like every other year has been fine. Like I know, you know, there's a relatively small crowd of people that might listen to it. I'm I'm shaky this time. There's like triple there's, um... that. Have a, this you is, have an audience now. <laughs> this is a, do, this is a actually, man yeah. as well who
2: has actually listened to us speak to each other outside of this podcast and then still thought, you know <laughs> yeah. what? More people need to hear these conversations. When everyone else <laughs> around us was like, actually, less people than the three people who are currently listening to <laughs> it. <It's, laughs>
0: that is that is a, a great point. That is a great point, actually. Jack, considering you know how me and Sam speak to each other off podcast and the things that we say, that you had the guts to allow this to happen, it is, it's a credit to you. Or, or maybe, a symbol of your idiocy and we don't know just yet although we'll find out as time goes on whether it is a symbol of your brilliance or idiocy
1: so far so good right
0: as you can see from the title of this episode, this is our Album of the Year show for 2021. What an amazing year it has been for both music and more specifically for this podcast. Before we discuss Album of the Year listings, we should tell you who we are. With the Noise podcast, we're available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Me and Sam will be there usually every fortnight. Our last episode we aired a couple of weeks ago, that was me and Sam interviewing Aaron Pauly from Of Mice and Men. We have then taken a break from that point up until now to do the album of the year show. And we will be back in early January to go all over again, hoping that 2022 brings us the same kind of ridiculous, amazing releases consecutively as 2021 has. The best way to support the show is by subscribing, liking or follow, depending on whichever service you are using to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast. And before we start with the full listings, uh, me and Sam want to say a massive, massive thank you to anyone that's either listened or subscribed to the podcast this year. We've absolutely smashed uh, our target of 200 subs on YouTube. We kind of set that as like, oh, it'd be cool if we get this and then never really thought it was going to be achievable because... Let's be honest, me and Sam are just two best mates to speak about metal out of our bedrooms, but somehow we've done it. Over 3,000 listens across other podcast networks, which uh, you know, we understand that we're small fish in the big game, but really for us, that is amazing. It means the absolute world to me and Sam to see those numbers. So a massive thank you to anyone that has listened, spoken about the Noise podcast, tapped on the shoulder on nights out and discussed it, sent us comments on YouTube, sent us uh, notifications on Twitter, any of that. Uh, thank you so much. You, uh, you give us reason to have these ridiculous conversations let's start the album of the year uh, discussion. This is how it's going to work. We have listed, usually we only do 10 album of the year listings, but we've had to do 20 this year based on how ridiculous, ridiculous 2021 has been for brilliant music. So um, my listing from 20 to 11 I've posted in the YouTube comments, as well as Sam and Jack's. So, they will be either in the comments of the YouTube section of this video or in the description of the audio file, depending on wherever you are listening. So, we're not going to discuss 20 records. I don't think anyone's got enough time for that, regardless of how much you might like me and Sam uh, talking. What we are going to do uh, from numbers 10 to 6, we're going to do in a quick fire fashion where I give myself, Jack, and Sam a one minute to explain their reasoning behind the album. And then from number five, it's open season. We can discuss as much or as little as we like to justify our selection. Sam, I am going to start with you, and then I will move around to Jack and finish on myself. So, Jack, uh, sorry, Sam, coming in at number 10, on your album of the year listings. And I have absolutely no idea what your two's top 10 are. So I'm very interested. Sam, coming in at
2: number 10, you have a minute to justify. Uh, Rise Against Nowhere Generation. Um, Part part song quality, part narrative Um, for a band that's really spent a decade um, sort of Wittering Away as one of the more consistent rock acts and have really come back with both the combination of an album that cements their longevity and consistency in the scene as well as actually pushes them for further into a newer audience i think rise against have released their best album in a decade and they're also one of the more um, prevalent and impactful bands of the last 15 years um in sort of alternative rock and i think there's another justification of that i think it features some of the best material of their career and some of the most stunning songwriting they've ever put together In it is a no-brainer for me at 10
0: yeah we love that record man a uh, real real cool moment for us getting that album and we both that that is a great record absolutely no question uh jack coming in at number 10 on your album of the year listings
1: uh, i've got of mice and men's echo ah interesting go on one minute i well i talked to you about uh having a last minute edition it's one of two and obviously it's it's ep's released throughout the year so it's not like it came in as a big surprise but mm listening to it as a whole body of work. Uh, you know, I remember you asking the questions on the last podcast, you know, was this intentional? Was it not intentional? Was it separate pieces and it came together? For something that was done in, you know, bits of it in silos, it's a beautifully whole piece of music in an album. Uh, it's just, it, it's everything that I've loved about Mice and Men in one album is probably the best way to explain it in a short period of time. It's great. Uh, You know, it's got everything you would want from an Of Mice and Men out.
0: Yeah, listening to that record as a full contextual piece makes it even better than listening to it in the three EP isolation. I totally get what you mean, man. That's a great record. So happy for Of Mice and Men. So proud of those guys because it didn't look great six years ago and it absolutely looks great now. So very happy for those guys. Coming in at number 10 for me is Trivium's In the Court of the Dragon. Um, at, at the very least, their best records since 10. Shogun. <laughs> Ten. At, the, at the very yeah. least, uh, their best record since Shogun. And the one I feel convinced could see them oh, fulfil so their angry. mid-2000s prophecy of being one of the names in contemporary metal. Matt Heafy is at his best in terms of his riff and vocal work. And uh, the title track, Fall Into Your Hands and The Shadow of the Abattoir are all... Uh, all three of them are all-time great Trivium songs. I, Me and Sam had this quick discussion that out of Trivium, Mastodon and Gejira, three huge metal heavyweights, Who Do We Feel had the best album. And I, I was constantly toying with who that was. Out of pure means of enjoyment, I have put Trivium at the bottom of the pile, but that speaks to nothing else other than my personal preference. It's a great, great metal record. I'm so happy for Trivium. I think Trivium are going to go on and finally fulfill their prophecy and potential when they were named as the next great metal band in the early 2000s, and then it didn't quite end up happening. I think it is going to happen now off the back of In the Court of the Dragon. Amazing record. Sam, coming in at number
2: nine for you. Architects for those that wish to exist. Interesting. Go on. Um, it's a it's a terrific album, but um, it did not impact me over a long period of time in the same way that Holy Hell did and perhaps Holy Hell did for for really a larger audience. I think Architects in this circumstance have been a re, um, almost a unwilling victim of the level of expectation that perhaps they place upon themselves, where a terrific Architects album would be the best album of other bands careers but for them it feels that this is another good one to be placed a- alongside all our gods have abandoned us for example um it's in that sort of category for me um and bottom line it may be if this album comes out in 2020 it's top five but it actually also falls victim to the fact that there is just a tremendous depth of great music specifically in the metal world that just bumps it out that being said it features architects at times their most efficient and cutting uh with some of the songs here it's, it's their it's their most um fat free um completely cynical best at times with uh dead butterflies and discourse of the dead and and, and 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 a whole variety of massive massive songs black lungs it's just a terrific album it just it's just a victim of circumstance and expectation that's the reason why it's only nine
1: Quint number nine for Mr. Jack Holloway? Uh, Doom's Children, with the self-titled uh, album of the same name. Uh, it's the, the side project of Wade McNeil. It's probably, you're laughing, right? It is within our sphere, I will have you know. Right, okay, I've given you no hippie hit this year. I should have started by saying It's that, a right? spin-off by a guy called Wade. So <laughs> it's, it's, Alexi- it's Wade McNeil from Alexi on Fire. Okay. It, okay. It, okay. It is, okay. Fine. And I showed you the whole album, Sam, and you liked it. So then, yeah, you know, I did. Yeah, I did. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm, I'm, joking. I'm joking. Right. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's yeah, perfect. it is a. It's a psychedelic rock album. On paper, that sounds ridiculous, uh, but it has got elements of blues, jazz, the best of kind of 60s psychedelic, without sounding like it's pulled directly from the time. It sounds current. It sounds fresh. And when, you know, if you're an Alexis on Fire fan right now, thinking that you've missed this and you're like, what the fuck? It, it, it's just as kind of surprising as you'd probably think it would be. And you'd never think that that Wade McNeil would lend his vocals to something like this and would pull it off. But it's like his, his tone is like gravel. And the rest of it is really creative. It moves through this kind of st- story, through this journey of, him kind of going to rehab and then coming out of it the other side. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of work and probably one of the most understated and kind of overshadowed of 2021, in my opinion, because it kind of, there's been such a churn of amazing music that it has been so easy for a good album to just fall sort of beneath the surface. And I think this will be one of them that gets revisited and it's kind of like, oh shit, that happened. And, and less people heard about it than they should have. It's a great, great album. You got me? I wasn't familiar.
0: I'm going to be familiar. Jack, you've got me. I'm interested. Coming at number nine for me, uh, Architects for those that wish to exist. It's by far the boldest ever move, and they are one of the very, very few bands that we could trust to make such a decision. And 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 for those that wish to exist, is concrete proof of why we trust the band Sandwich so to do so. Dan Searle's songwriters, took a leap forward. And they were. I don't believe I don't I'm not saying that in the sense of I think this is a better record than Holy Hell, because I don't. Holy Hell is one of my favourite records of all time. And I do think it's it's the best British metal album for a long, long time. But I do think Dan Sil's songwriters took a leap forward in terms of bravery and in terms of intelligence and moving away from that metal sphere. Sam's vocals, I do think, are the best they've ever been, though. Uh, Sam Carter's vocals have taken a step up not just in terms of variety but in terms of delivery me and Sam saw Architects Live in I believe it was October now in Wolverhampton amazing ridiculous We we spent basically the entire gig knocking each other and my girlfriend and our friend Leon on the shoulder like oh my god this is ridiculous how is he doing this um and Architects are now the concrete front runners at the very top of British alternative music. No band deserves that title more. And there is slight criticism from people that this isn't the Architects that I want. Well, the Architects you want, they did seven, eight albums of them. So <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what exactly you're expecting with this. Anyone that was going into this record expecting Architects to still sound like they did on Daybreak. I just don't understand what you've been listening to for the last few years. This movement was inevitable, but not just inevitable. It was, it was done fantastically. And I actually echo Sam's sentiment where this in 2020 would have been top five, maybe top three, but such is the ridiculousness of 2021, that it falls lower down my list, but an absolutely amazing album, nonetheless, and Architects are my favorite band. If not, yeah, Architects are one of my favorite bands, if not my favorite band. And th- that was a really, really special record. I still blast to this day. So I'm coming in at number eight for you. We are moving quite quickly through this, and that is because of um, time. I don't want this episode to go on for like three hours. So for anyone listening thinking, wow, Chris is really pushing everyone to go through this quickly, uh, that is because of time. Uh, So Sam, coming in at eight for you.
2: Uh, Finass, The Fire Itself. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay,
0: cool, man. Tell me about it. I love
2: this record. Uh, Yeah, so do I. Um, This is is an album made for me, uh, really. Um, from from start to finish, this is um, a masterclass of metalcore, really, um, and it's just a beautiful combination of precise metalcore riffs with tremendous breakdowns, massive choruses, just a, a, just a gorgeous tapestry of guitar work. And really, I want to I want to talk about one of the most underrated metal bands of the last five years in Fineras yeah, that they get that, no I mention. Was, Mate, mate you, you'd have had to be held on a leash. So we were talking about this, uh, the albums of the year list for noise, and Will Marshall was like, Who if in a has Sam? And I was like, What <laughs> amazing! <laughs> I think, think we would have both been in there. I think, I think, I think violence would have ensued, but Brood. um. <laughs> I, I really, I really wanted to, I wanted to put them out here because they, they, number one, they're tremendous. Uh, this is a terrific album. I think one of the, really one of the most, com- the most complete of their career. I think uh, the one, the album with the most depth, <laughs> and um, in an ever-changing metal landscape, the consistency of 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 Finha House is both admirable, but also impressive in the fact that of not. No, the novelty hasn't worn off they've just got better at this particular thing that they do and I just think it's one of the best pure metal records of the year I really really do in terms of the reason that I put it this high is I was literally thinking to myself in terms of what it does well it does what it does well better than most other bands do at their at their level when i'm sort of thinking about a variety of different metal acts like honestly it's it's for me it was a better pure metal album than dying wish and employed to serve although i love those albums they're in my top 20 um it really it's a better album for its genre than so much that i've heard this year um it really is the archetypal melodic metalcore album it's just tremendous from start to finish there isn't a bad song on it and there is just honest to god some Utterly, utterly gorgeous guitar work. I can't recommend it enough. If you're, if you're a metal fan that, like, if you're missing Bullet for Valentine and that type of early, fast-paced metal core, and you sort of, you know, you're wishing for that kind of period, early Killswitch engaged, then then listen to this band man because they're absolutely tremendous. And I wanted to just have them in there because I, I, this is one of the most enjoyable albums of the year for me.
1: My favorite part about Thinness is Sam talking about Thinness.
2: Yeah, they're, oh. they're they're a wicked, wicked
0: band. Man, I mean, I, I discovered them <laughs> when I was writing for a site called Musicology that did very, very little for me, uh, and I greatly despised my time there. But the one thing they did do for me is they asked me to write up a news story that included Thin which who I decided I want to let me just listen so I've got an idea what I'm talking about. Two minutes later, I messaged Sam I was like, "Dude, I found out about this band." <laughs> that was like 5 years ago as well. I was like do defend about this band that you've got you've got I to listen to like, right now.
2: They were like our most listened to band of 2016, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we literally
0: every pre-drinks we would you'd be right we'd be blasting the house Yeah, I am, the I am the Lion week. Every oh, week man. Week and, Flesh and Flesh Killer and Flesh Killer and Made. Yeah, oh god, what a what a band. Uh, yeah, man. That's a great record. It hasn't made it into my top 20, but it's a, it's a great record and the metalcore album of the year. Comfortably. Yeah. Metal Better than
2: Polaris's record last year, and I loved that record, I think.
0: Oh, I'll have to think about that one, but a great a a tremendous record nonetheless. Coming in at number eight for Mr. Holloway?
1: Uh Trivium in the Court of the Dragon. Sam's gonna (laughs) Sam's gonna kick off. (laughs) Hold on a minute. Right the the Trivium fan ranked it number ten. Okay. I'm the Trivium fan. (laughs) You're the the Trivium fan, okay. (laughs) right it's it's fine i have never uh i've never loved an entire piece of work from Trivium. i'm not going very well with this if i want to jack
2: whatever's at number seven if it's like (laughs) european and acoustic based (laughs) i'm coming
1: to you you right now i'll be there i'll
2: be there in six days
1: (laughs) i'm trying to say the trivium being this high for me is like this it would never have been there before like this album has done something to me that no Trivium album has ever done before. I've gone back and I've listened through music writer experience, through Sam's constant recommendations, listen, 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 listen to back to Shogun and listen to, you know, some of the albums that made them. And they've never quite grabbed me like this. And I can't put a pin on why, but just the way that this album has come together in terms of its production, it's got everything that I've loved from some of the big hitters, like in Waves, like the, the moment that kicks into the the title track is the most ridiculous thing I've heard all year. And it's phenomenal. Yeah. For me to like it is a whole body of work, despite them being long songs. I'm not a prog fan. I'm not a, you know, a fan of music that goes longer than really three or four minutes, but there's something really gripping about this album. And for it to, it has remained on constant rotation since it's come out. And that for me is the biggest compliment I can give it because I've probably where you two have moved into deathcore and and all of these other subgenres of metal. I've moved away from it. So when I'm giving when I'm giving something back to, to metal, I'm talking about metal that I love. It's got to be like really, really good. Um, and this was everything that I kind of. It's everything I've wanted from a Trivium album, and it's great. I just feel like.
0: I actually feel that the best compliment you could give it is putting it in your top ten. Considering you're not
1: a big Trivian fan and you're not a, a massive heavy metal guy. No, exactly, and that, that's that's kind of the point I'm making. It's yeah. hard to put it into. It, it, it just brings all the elements of metal that I love, and does it in a way that doesn't feel like it's kind of drawn out. It just it does it, you know, perfectly. Sam's expecting
0: like 2021's version of Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd to be in number seven. Oh, he's going oh, to be absolutely infuriated. Coming in Mate, uh, It's not
2: Beethoven's Fifth Symphony has <laughs> been secretly remastered and no one's telling
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be a long, long podcast if you carry on like this, son. <laughs> 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 oh,
2: the pressure's
0: so high right now. Oh, God. Eighth position for me uh, is Dying Wish, a uh, fragment of a bit of memory. Depending on what we're classifying as hardcore, it's the second best hardcore album of the year. It is truly savage for 90% of its playtime. And even in the moments where it takes its occasional melodic turn, the vocalist Emma Bostat is just as finely equipped to reach epic heights in that style as well. It's got a guitar tone, unlike anything else I've heard this year. And I am convinced. The Dying Wish will be one of the biggest bands in underground hardcore by 2024, if not the band that are headlining underground hardcore by 2024, because Knocked Loose are going to move away from underground hardcore. You can you can see it coming. Turnstile, really t- well, yeah. Turnstile are no longer an underground hardcore band. They've already moved away. within a, within a, At the moment, it's like Jesus Peace. They're heading up underground hardcore. And I think that Dying Wish will absolutely be there with them by 2024. I adore Fragments of a Bit of Memory. It is unrelenting fury. Emma Boss is a fantastic vocalist. And the, it, it's genuinely got a guitar tone unlike anything else I've heard this year. Brilliant record. It goes 100 miles an hour for 90% of its playtime. Then for the moments where it occasionally goes 10, it's beautiful. And Emma Boss can do both vocal styles fantastically. It an absolute must listen for any hardcore fan. Dying Wish, fragments of a bit of Memory. I adore it. We're getting close to the top five, Sam. We're hitting in at number seven. I'm going to come to you for um, number seven on your album of the year listing. Slaughter to Prevail, Costalom. Interesting. Okay. Um, <clears throat> right, so would you say Costalom's your metalcore album of the year or are we going for Nas, Or you can, or you came to them as two different genres?
2: I'm sort of, I'm, I was, in slaughter to be mentally in that sort of death core, yeah. death metal type <laughs> okay. world yeah. sort of separate, more extreme. Because I mean, like let's be let's be honest, it's it's a different It is more
0: extreme than yeah,
2: it's a different facet. So for me, I'm putting them in a separate box, to be frank. Yeah. Um, this is this band of probably the social media death metal of event of the last 18 months, at yeah. the very least. Yeah. Um, and like I remember talking about the tool album two years ago, it became more of an event. Um, somehow somehow slaughter to prevail wrote, wrote the most um uh social media really gauging metal song of the last 12 months and met those expectations on a full album somehow and despite uh, despite the fact that they overcome the barrier of being a primarily russian speaking uh death metal band um that really should be marinating somewhere in a Eastern European bar where nobody's heard of them, but in theory. But because of the <laughs> level of the songwriting here and the depth of their music and just really, like you were talking about with Dying Wish, just how utterly relentless it is. Um if they've managed to transcend that scene and transcend what could potentially be like a one-off wonder that Demolisher was that becomes like a almost like a, a novelty for 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 deathcore and death metal because very ridiculous it is. The fact is that this album from start to finish is both heavy and relentless and as brutal as an album as you go into here. But also there's a real depth and level of songwriting that I've not really quite heard of an album of this kind of extremity before. And on top of all of that, um, Alex the Terrible is a contender for light vocalist of 2021, um, just in terms of his range, what he can do within his genre, how he's managed to push himself forward. And the fact that that really, alongside just the astonishing lows and all the, the the ridiculous Russian mosh pit growls that he's able, capable of, there's a real moments of like melody and depth here as well, coupled with some of the the most beguiling instrumentation I've ever heard in a in a deathcore album. Really, it is it is a stunning? It's a stunning, stunning record. It's the extreme metal album of the year for me, or at least modern extreme metal album of the year. Um, and it's it's just it's just super from start to finish. I, I can't I can't listen to it without just sort of immediately falling for it again and f- feeling feeling once again like I hate, like I did when I first heard it. Um, sort of like that sort of Lamb of God es percussive brutality that combined with this like obviously sort of like Russian Eastern European Siberian style ice cold bitterness just in between all the songs. It is a listening experience unto which I haven't heard before, that actually treads on to the ridiculous at times, but also strays far, far enough away for it to be taken wholly seriously. It is um It's such an engaging and fascinating record, which is also crazy to say about a deathcore, death metal, hardcore metalcore record, whatever box you want to put this in. It's just it's just an incredible listen. What a fantastic position Death Court is in. Right.
0: Oh, I'm so, yeah, so excited. Because next year, Lorna Shaw are going to release a record, and Shadow Intent are going to release a record as well. And I, I love that sort of revell record. Costalon, uh, you've mentioned Demolisher made in Russia, absolutely bangs. And mm. uh, Evgeny Novikov has got the best drum sound in deathcore. I, yeah. his drum sound yeah. is incredible. I absolutely adore it. Okay, uh, Jack, hitting number seven on your top ten.
1: Uh, Sam Fender's seventeen going under. I was expecting it um, to turn up. I was expecting to be higher. Yeah. Continue. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which speaks to the amazing music that's come out this year. Uh, for me, his debut was stronger. It, it, it grabbed me more. But this album's beautiful. Like it's a collection. It's a. I think the, the, the probably the reason it's not higher is because of its length. It's a really long album. But the songwriting, as ever, is beautiful. There's no compromise in terms of. I, he, he hit it off big time from his debut. It'd be very easy for him to release a more pop-centric kind of album, but he's sticking to what he knows. It's, you know, lyric, lyrically-wise, it, it's it got that Springsteen storytelling, you know, nature to it. It's He's not afraid of putting his heart onto what he's writing. You know it's about him, but you'll pick stuff up that can really relate to you as well. The themes are beautiful. It is just... It's an amazing collection of work and 17 going under as a track on its own, as one of the best pop rock tracks of the year. It's in number seven for me was
0: of Sacrifice's Lifeblood. It's the deathcore album of the year. It came out in January. And it it, it stayed the deathcore album of the year for 11 months it really is something else. The way it handles its high octane electronic synths, crushing breakdowns, is truly a phenomenon. Huge moments of groove, blast beats, guitar mastery. Basically, Brand of Sacrifice's lifeblood is everything, everything you could want from Deathcore in 2021. And the drama's in the best place I've seen it be because of bands like Brand of Sacrifice. We There was a time where we thought that perhaps the best of deathcore had already happened with the peak of Viotti's murder, Whitechapel and effects in, in the mid to late 2010s. But actually, in the early 2020s, we are being faced now by a, a, with a corny phrase, yes, but the new wave of modern deathcore and brand of sacrifice, slaughtered to prevail, Lorna ashore, Shadow of Intent, are headlining this new wave as well as you've got bands like Asaya and Cognitive as well that are bursting through the cracks and Deathcore is just in this fantastic fantastic position and and Lifeblood by Brand of Sacrifice is truly unlike any Deathcore album you've heard it is (laughs) it incorporates so much of what you love about Deathcore but does it in this new high octane full throttle neck grabbing fashion adore the record and, and it was one of those albums that, again, if it was 2020 or 2019, would probably be in my top five. But such as the ridiculousness of 2021 that it couldn't quite make it. But a, a brilliant record, nonetheless, which is, which is an absolute must for any, any Deathcore fan. So things are really starting to heat up now. And Sam, in sixth place on your album of the year, top 10. While she sleeps, Sleep Society. Okay, awesome.
2: I love this band. Yeah. Um, this album was, um, was a realisation that there might be a top five band for me. Um, like of any band of any era. Um, because I think, I think Nervous is one of my favourite songs of the year. Yeah. Um, I think Enlightenment is one of my top ten favourite songs of the year. I think Know Your Worth is incredible. Yeah. Um, I think Sleep Society, the title track, is phenomenal. Uh, I think they're one of the best live bands um, in the country. I think they're one of the best up and coming up and coming metal bands in in the country. Um, I think they're one of the best things that have ever happened to metal over the last decade period. And i I think I think the world of them. And this album was another reminder that nobody really, at all, writes songs like this band. No one sounds like While She Sleeps. No one can even imitate them like at all in terms of like group vocal choruses, guitar tone, drum stylings um lyrical content, the the whole melding of stuff together. When you listen to when you listen to, to sorry to repeat nervous again, when you listen to nervous just on its own, and you listen to the way that it 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 fades from one transition into the other and then the key change happens at the end. It's just one of the most complex in-depth songs in terms of metal I, I, I have really, really ever heard. And and when that is just mixed in with the whole host of other stuff that they are just putting together. Really, they're building one of the best resumes for a British metal band. Now, metal band in general over the last decade is utterly phenomenal that they might have released alongside Holy Hell and a few others, one of the metal albums of the decade in You Are We. I think this personally for me, um, it's obviously some taste matters, but um, subjectivity is important. But for me, this is 85% as good as You Are We. And on some days I think it's sort of ninety percent as good. Like it doesn't it doesn't have the consistency that URW does. Um we sort of tapers near the end. But I really, really, really think it's it's one of one of my favorite bands, second best album. And I think that that for me, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't find an album that I I couldn't find more than five albums that I enjoyed more, even including how much I just love that band so much right there.
0: Yeah, what a band. What a ridiculous. We love Walsh see so much. We've championed them since day one of the podcast. Not that we needed to, they were a massive band without me and you championing them. <laughs> but we, we yeah, like we are the output, we like champion yeah, them, we we're made probably be-
2: responsible for like 15 extra listens and one Patreon. Do you know what I mean? Over the over the, the entire depth of their career.
0: Yeah, like like it was it was and you're me the Patreon. You. Yeah, like it was it was me and you that made us that made them big and, and no one else, not the million not the millions of other fans that made them big. But yeah, me sleep Society is an amazing record. It came in eleventh on on my list, but adored it. I think it's a great record. Adore while she sleeps, saw them. Saw them at Slam Dunk, saw them a couple of weeks after, or maybe even a couple of days after with you. Amazing live band, amazing studio band. They're, ju- they're just the best. Absolutely adore While She Sleeps, and adore uh, Sleep site, a great record. Uh, Jack, we are getting into the mix. But before we
1: get into the top five, uh, number six on your album of the year, listening? I love how even though I dropped out of the meeting so briefly then, I could probably tell you most of what Sam said anyway. Brilliant. And I saw that you left,
0: but I didn't want to stop Sam's thought.
1: It wasn't an intentional thing. It wasn't like a while she sleeps thing. It was just like a a pop-up came up and I was like, get rid of that. And then it closed the whole thing. I was like, oh no, I have fucked this big time.
0: (laughs) We saved it, we saved it. They'll never know.
1: You saved Um, it, they'll never know now I've brought it to light.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Number six on your list? (laughs) Um, Turnstile, glow on. Six, mate, your top five better be
1: amazing. That's six. Go on. I loved it. I mean, I'm not a turnstile fan. I've never heard a turnstile song before. Mm. Uh, and then I remember you pointing me towards the EP at the start of the year. Mm. And I was like, this, and, and you've, been, you've been telling me and Sam, we have to be fans for, Yeah. remember how long.
2: I was very yeah. resistant to it as well. I, was less, yeah.
1: I'm, I am quite open. I'm, I'm less resistant to it. I, but the, when the album came out, I was just completely swallowed by it it's got this really captive like captivating nature about it it's got all of the sort of pop sensibilities and melodies and hooks that pull someone like myself in it doesn't take a lot to get into this record does it no but then you know for your your rock for your metal fans you've still got those elements of hardcore you know this is like i think you'll look back at this in years to come and see it as a gateway and you talked earlier about how how they've kind of moved out of the genre, but I think that's the best thing that can happen yeah, to yeah. bands that sort of well I'm a Lincoln Park fan, so I'm obviously okay with change. But that does so much for what it leaves behind. And you know, I might look back at this when I start to delve into heavier music with pop <laughs> sensibilities and then it it moves out of that slightly. It, it it could be it could be the gateway for so many people. But this album on its own, and I'm sure potentially, maybe, Chris, you might talk about it later on. Um, I will <laughs> It is just It is just amazing and, and I haven't heard that On a record from them before But this was so rich Like it It gives so much I'm sure it does so much For a fan like you But also They're going to have brought in So many new fans like me Oh yeah It's brilliant yeah, uh turnstiles name at the
0: moment is just flying around social media, not even just in terms of hardcore, like turnstile are really like the talk of the town in terms of alternative music, as as they should be. I'm not going to talk anymore about turnstile because that I'll be honest, they are they are coming up a little bit later. <laughs> Landing at number six for me, something that I've been was really debating. Um, but i've it was the it was the one that I changed today because it was higher but I've, I've moved it back down the list. I'm going to go for Rivers of Niles, the work. It, it, it was, in terms of its sound as a musical performance and how impressive it is, I, I find it really should be higher. You know, I think that that their kind of brave step away from the large elements of sax that they used on Where Else Know My Name, which made them, which turned them from this kind of underground, like adored band into like quite a quite a big name in contemporary metal. And then moved into a larger, more eclectic soundscapes on this record. That's a bold call when when their use of sax on "Where Else Now My Name" becomes one of the one of the things that it becomes synonymous for, and people go to gigs waving round inflatable saxophones, and then. By the time they get to the next record, it's like, oh, you know, that thing that you loved, we're going to use it for about 10% of this record and we're going to do something <laughs> bigger and different. And, and that, that takes incredible, go- I, I, I love that. And But they're not here because of their show Great Goods. I think this is a great, great album. I think that there are moments like on Clean where it's, it's, be- it's a beautiful record, but there are also moments on like Terrestrial where it's incredibly hard and grimacing album. It's got this vociferousness to it, as well as a real kind of grandiose beauty. It's, it, I find it a real, real excellent listen. And I, I remember saying, when, it, when I first listened to it, I remember tweeting out, I was like, it's September like the 15th or wherever it was. And I was like, I think I've heard the album of the year. Like This is, this is so, so good. And there are albums that I'm going to include higher up in my list that actually came out earlier in the year. And I think what happened, what I did, what I always do, and I get caught up in the moment, and think this is the best new thing and it must be the best thing I've heard because that's, that's just part of my personality. I get very excited about stuff. But put all that to the side, whether I got overly excited about it or not, the album is fantastic. I love Rivers of Nile. They're very interesting. They uh, take chances with their with their music. They're unlike any other metal band. Any death metal band that you can think of, Rivers of Nile don't really sound like them. They're very very unique. Uh, they're fantastic live, and I'm really proud of the band for what they've achieved here. Because let's be, you know, they could have written Where Else Now My Name 2.0, and everyone would have swallowed it back up. They decided not to to use a bit of sax instead go to something much bigger and eclectic, which is. Which is bold, and the album is truly, truly fantastic. Now, go on, on, Sam. Just, just as we get into the top five, just as we get into the top five here, I'd like to you know quickly do a a bit of an anecdotal chat because really, if we were doing the album of the year, and I'm pretty sure Sam's going to agree with me on this, if we were doing album of the year on the album that is the most technically impressive between the Buried and Me's Colors, two would have won it hands down. And nothing would have, I don't think anything would have come close in terms of like technical, technical excellence, but, and that's what moved Rivers of Nile for me. I was thinking, right, but what is the albums that I've enjoyed listening to the most? And that's where the personal taste comes in. Right. And when I said Trivium with 10th and and Sam's face shot into into his camera, like (laughs) trying to grip me up. As excellent as Trivium, <laughs> as excellent as Trivium's album is, the, I've curated this list, and all three of us have curated this list on the on the albums that we've enjoyed listening to the most. If we were giving it away for technical excellence, we'd just give it between the Buried and Me's "Colors" too now, and I'd end the Zoom meeting <laughs> and I'd just post yeah, the I episode. Wouldn't,
1: I wouldn't have a list. You'd be like Jack, where's your list? I'd be like, <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> just, um, just ridiculous. So, Ian <laughs> B in the up. If only there was more sax in Niall,
1: more. <laughs>
0: Damn start sax,
1: Sam. Sam,
0: Damn. Damn start Sam. <laughs> I will I will really start getting upset. I really, I want I want to carry out and make a lot of kind of anecdotal point because we're about to get into the top five, where we're gonna. I'm giving all of us free reign to talk as much as we like about each record. So this is this whole re- this whole list has been curated by the albums that we've enjoyed listening to the most, not the ones that we think is objectively the best album of the year. Whatever comes in these top five, now is not me telling you he's the best album five albums of the year. It's my subjective thoughts on what I've enjoyed the most. I'm gonna definitely shut listen, up. Though. <laughs> <I'm, Yeah. laughs> I should definitely listen. Yeah, I'm gonna shut up, Sam. I'm going to go over to you. Coming in at number five, our, the fifth best album of the year in 2021 for Sam Lewis is? Every Time I Die, Radical. Okay, man, fifth.
2: Dude, the floor is yours. Um, I have a checkered history with Every Time I Die over the last sort of few years. <laughs> um, checking know, history. So <laughs> like, nice. he broke, like, he,
0: like he broke up with him on Christmas Eve or something.
2: <laughs> every so often i stand out at the <laughs> studio in the pouring rain. His arms folded. Just, just lightly <laughs> caress my palms against the window <laughs> and then sigh and walk away only to return at the same time the following year. They never see me. Um, <laughs> I'll just mutter, next year, Keith, next year. And then just fade into the distance. Uh, but no, um, with me, every time I die, we're one of those bands that I spent the first portion of the 2010s feeling that I should really, really like them but never finding enough time or inclination to listen to them because they weren't like they were like a kind of pseudo-metal band, pseudo-punk band. And I felt that, that would be one of those sort of bands that were like a Jack of All trades, Master of None. They didn't do enough for me to fall in love with them. So I just kind of listened to the occasional riff, put them on a shelf. And then 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 my good friend Chris started getting really, really into them and started, you know, pretty much every other week imploring me to listen to them <laughs> and playing, playing riffs yeah. every, every, every other week or so. And I was like, yeah, this song's really good. And then I completely forget about it um for sort of like six days and he would do the same thing and then he would he'd get steadily more frustrated um, <laughs> that is um happened. yeah pretty much um and it was just like months of just occasional peer pressure now i already knew how well thought of they were in the industry and all that sort of stuff um so i heard the last album before radical in passing really and then i did the music writers experience and i did uh the one that chris recommended was, that's one thank you and I really, really enjoyed that, um so I thought, you know what, opening us the new album came out, I knew we would review it, and I sort of sort of dove in, expecting to be quite frank to to walk away from it, thinking, I understand, but um where I'd be sort of in the realm of like I completely get the um maniacal fan base, the energy um but it doesn't tick x, y and z boxes for me um and then then. I heard heard radical and every previous um, concern quirk every every remote issue just sort of faded away over about six to eight minutes of of of, of some of the most relentless ridiculous music I've ever heard in my life. Really, um, let alone the music I've ever heard this year. Um, they're um, there are a tour de force um, in in every in every single way. They're a Tasmanian devil wrapped in barbed wire wrapped inside a wrapped inside a spotify playlist is just extraordinary the level of fury that they managed to get through um over the course of 10 to 12 minutes is is astonishing but for me that that's never enough um as as a listener i i I have a low attention span um with music that is one tracked. i couldn't listen to um the albums that sound so very similar to each other where the music starts to meld in one into the other for, for an extended period of time i just don't have i don't have the um of the concentration for it to be frank um and i, I know that all three of us are kind of similar in that vein to the point where especially me, me me and pew have actually talked regularly about the um the tedium that has become associated with listening to so many albums of the same genre you get jaded to stuff in the same and you are desperately crying out for something that just feels a little different even if it kind of hints at the idea of being slightly different we'll just grab onto that like newborn children hold on to a branch for dear life just something to grab onto. Um, Whereas every time I die here um, and just doing the deep dive on their brief history beforehand that I've managed to see and hearing anecdotally from Chris about the sort of band that they've been, this is quite a seismic shift for them, Um, even within the ramifications of what every time I die are typically good at. Um, So on top of hearing what is really some of the better music of their career from an Every Time I Die perspective. It's also some of the more brave and expansive music of their career period anyway, and I think that combination was a great jumping off point to me. Bottom line, this is the best hard rock album of the year, at the very least. Probably the best hardcore record of the year simultaneously, and it's a celebration of perhaps and hopefully not sadly one of the swan songs of the 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 great front men of our last of our last decade in in sort of heavy and alternative music and it completely blew my socks off and i expected to be completely ambivalent and i massively reward bands personally that blow away my cynicism where i go in with a collected idea and a prerequisite and a judgment already an expectation to be met and bands just completely go past that and i am Um, for all of my stubbornness when that happens i will absolutely crown that and absolutely give that an opportunity and that's that's what's taking place here because i was prepared to just be like that guy sitting in the corner being like yeah they're all right um as i am with so many other bands that I, i just i'm just ambivalent towards but i can't with every time i die they're a band that has one of the great reputations in 21st century alternative music and they have actually exceeded that on radical it is an extraordinary album that also seems to try to herald the return of like 80 stadium rock somehow successfully alongside um, really moments of like thrash metal and hot, um, real punk and hardcore and moments where they sound like system of a down at times. It's, it's really, it's really stunning. It's it's an absolutely stunning record that really sort of turned me upside down, um, start to finish listening to it. And I've been making playlists uh, over the last few months to help me decide and I've been making like a best, not just the best albums thing, I've been making like a best songs and been using that as a way to determine like, you know, how many albums, uh, sorry, which albums have got the best songs from, how many songs off this album have actually made it into like my favourite songs playlists and things like that and using that as a determiner. And there's like seven off this every time I die record which is which it, I don't know there's like so many songs off this record. So it's, 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 it's worth that considering, but that is, that's is extraordinary um, f- for me to actually find an album like that, that I'm immediately won in on and individual songs that are easy to differentiate and also how hold their own individual value. It's um, it's, I mean, it's just a, it's just a fantastic album. I think every time my Die fans listen to this, be like, "Yeah, well, yeah, obviously you're a fucking dickhead." But like, this took a while for me to get around, and I had a pre a prerequisite set of opinions that they completely debunked. And man, what more can you say? It's one, one of, the, one, of the, one of the one of the one of the best albums, one of the great albums of the great bands of the last last really ten to fifteen years in this genre. It's it's superb. Jack, coming in at number five on your album of the year
1: twenty twenty one list. Very briefly, before I do, on every time I die, it's another one that the best compliment that I can give it, it came, it was at number 10, and it's the one I had to, like, put myself in the corner and have a quick word with myself and say, yeah. be honest with yourself. You put, you know, I absolutely loved it. I ranked it higher than the Welsh Sleeps record. I'm a huge fan. And when of Mice and Men finally released that body of work, it was between the two of them. And I had every time I die until today at 10. And it it, it was like that. And I had to ask myself, what have I listened to more? What genuinely as a fan am I listening to more? And that's what that kind of tipped it. But again, you know, for I haven't had what Sam's had. I haven't listened to an album before. And it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and there's been so many albums that have done that to me this year. It's anyway, uh, my number five is the home team, Slow Bloom. They are a pop punk band that will have gone, shut up, Sam. Largely oh, under the radar. I'm listening, Chris. You'll if you don't love them, I'll be completely astonished that you. are better than you, Valentine. Yeah. Oh youth come on, dude. Oh that, come on, dude. Is it, dude. There's there's n- there's no competition. And oh, no no
0: competition. Come on, mate.
1: I, honestly. You have to. I listen. Okay. You asked me to listen to that You Fatting record. I did a week ago, and it hit 19 <laughs> on my arms <laughs> the year. And yes, I've probably done a Chris <laughs> Pugh on it, and I can't stop listening to it. But it's always second best to this, which okay. is one of the and later they- editions. It, it is. They feel the Sam. This doesn't cater to you. Okay. Shall I listen to it too, Jack? Or <laughs> no? There's one. There's one song I'll get you to listen to, so you, you go. Okay. All right. But I'm going to build to that. Right. <laughs> okay. They. It's like bubblegum pop meets pop punk riffs done well. It fills the hole that issues have left. Massive, massive hole. If you're an issue, it's a hole man, in a fucking graveyard. Thank you! Just take take, it, take a minute, bud. All right, take, take your earbuds Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay.
2: All right. Okay. Okay.
1: They. Uh, they it start to finish, it is j- simply banger after banger after banger. But if you put this in the pool of pop punk albums that have come out this year, that have been coming out over the last few years, it just stands out. The, the mix that they've got in terms of the lead singer's vocal range is like nothing you'll get from another pop punk vocalist. He could be doing like an acoustic pop duo easily with his voice Yet yeah, he's here in a pop punk band, but what sets it apart is the small moments of kind of that just make it a little bit different. The intricacies in what they do, and the best example I've got of that is the final track on the record that features uh, Jeff Loomis and Vale of Maya. Um, wow! And okay, you've got this kind of they—they they take everything that they've done throughout the whole year. They, they've got kind of some of the verse structures and things like that and what he does with his voice. It's just different. You can tell that they're, they're doing something. They're not kind of going the usual sort of grain. And then on this last uh, song on the record, just takes this massive left turn and, and builds the song up slowly to have this kind of huge crescendo on the final part of the album where there's like this massive guitar, like guitar solo from Jeff Loomis, who I think is in Arch Enemy. Um and then guest vocals and, and, and the inclusion of Vale and May on the end of it and it absolutely fucking slaps. It's I've not oh, heard so anything in like rap. it. I'm sorry, I've rap. not it, it it it's on my top ten list. It's the one I've heard most recently, and nothing has just come in and just grabbed me. And I can't, I cannot turn it off. Right. I mean, like every time I'm looking through this amazing list of albums I've got this year, I'm just like, like it has to be the home team. Okay. It's so bouncy, vibrant, energetic, and, and more than anything else, fresh. It just feels in, a, in a, a market that's so oversaturated, like nothing I've heard in a while. It's, it's a brilliant, brilliant album.
0: You have, abs- you have, you are their best PR. You got me. <laughs> mate, I'm sorry. I'm going to listen to them tomorrow and I'm going to message you and tell you what I think.
1: If you don't like them, I'm going to cry.
0: No, like, dude, I'm going to love them. I, the, the way you've just you described to. them. I I'm can't going to understand them. how you're kidding. No, I'm going to love them. And you said they're better than youth fighting, which I mean, that is a claim because youth fighting is so sick. Um, so, I, I do love that record. Mate. I do love that record. Mate, I mean, I will message you tomorrow about it. Um, I'm definitely going to love it. 100%. In at number five for me is Fortitude by Gojira. What a fantastic achievement this record is. The way it combats the ills of society, from obsessive consumerism to the destruction of ecosystems. It's bold. It's brilliant. It's one of those records that only certain bands can make. When you find a great band, specifically in metal, when you find a great band... There are moments where you listen, you're like, you know what? They are the only band that could have written this album in this way, and I think that Fortitude was a really, really, really pivotal moment for Gageira and, and 21st century contemporary metal as a whole because it's got this tribal beating heart to this to the record that could only have come from these like French magicians that are just the way they write songs is just so captivating. I've seen a few complaints that this is like the least metal record that Kajir ever made. And, but I truly don't see that as a criticism because one born for one thing into the storm, grind and newfound go exceptionally hard. And two, Amazonia and the chant, the, the moments where you could claim, oh, this isn't the Gajira that we know, uh, they're, they're brilliantly written. And I'm convinced that when we, then me and Sam see them in Nottingham next year, in an arena, I should mention, Gajira in an arena, amazing. Both of those, quote, slower tracks will demand the most audience anticipation and participation. And I think they're going to receive some of the best reje- uh, pre- um, receptions. Fortitude is written by a band at the peak of their powers at a time that we needed them to be at the peak of their powers the most. And this is just an exceptional, thought-provoking, intelligent metal record by a truly, truly incredible band for me. I think that in the same vein that only Killswitch Engage could have written As Daylight Dies in the way that Killswitch wrote As Daylight Dies only Gajira could have written Fortitude in the way that Fortitude's written. That's not me saying it's better or as good as As Daylight Dies. It's me saying that uh, Gajira's unique nature and unique approach to songwriting comes across in every single second of Fortitude. And they're one of the most respected bands of of 21st century metal. They have... They quickly move from a death metal band to an all encompassing metal band. Mario Duplantier and Joe Duplantier are, are two of the most stunning metal musicians. I mean, Mario, Mario on the drums is absurd. I mean, it's, on this album, there was moments on Amazonia, the way he works through his fills and uses cymbals. It's just, just incredible. And Gajira they're the band that everyone is rooting for that you can't not, even if you don't really know them that well, everyone wants Kajira to do well because of what they stand for. They stand for better use of the world, better the use of our ecosystems, protecting our wildlife, um, sticking your middle finger up to consumerism and capitalism. How can you not be just sucked into their message? And not just that, their message is something that you can't help but feel connected to as well as that. They're amazing at writing songs. These songs could probably, you know, could be about the greatness of capitalism and I'd probably still enjoy listening to them. Even that that would be everything I stand against, that even if it was stand, even if, even if these songs stood for the, Ill, the worst things society could kind of put in our face in terms of division, I'd probably still, at the very least, like how they sound. But then you add into the fact that lyrically I align to the message that Kajira put across as well. It's just a fantastic, brilliant album that um, I'm so happy for them that they've achieved this because me and Sam are going to see Kajira in an arena in 2022 with employed to serve an alien weaponry supporting them. And there it is. And that is the that is the stuff that you need to see that pr- proves that metal is moving forward and exactly where it needs to be. And metal is moving forward and exactly where it needs to be because bands like Gajira exist. Sam, so coming in at number four for you. Teenage Wrist, Earth is a Black Hole. What a ridiculous album. What a record this is
2: um <clears throat> yeah i i so I don't, good. Know. I don't even know what to say about it so good um <clears throat> this 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 would be um this would be an album that if it was described to me i would mock it in the way that i've just tried to mock yeah. the pop punk bands the last 10 minutes you would yeah. yeah um without 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 really checking it out or actually proving that i had anything <laughs> important to say about it i'll just make stupid jokes and leave um which has been my shtick for about 25 years so um but I put this on um because I, I saw Chris talking about it. I saw social media just having like a, a fanfare when it came out. And I, I pressed play and it is it's it's just it's outrageous. It is I I don't really know what to say. Um this is an album that I actually don't think I actually didn't think could be produced again in 2021. Mm, yeah. I, look, this is like um it's like a throwback. To like kind of like contemporary early 2000s rock combined with like qa esque clean guitar and sort of um, pop moments as well. But it's all just combined with the backdrop of these just incredible pop choruses um, and songs of just real depth. This band have just come out of nowhere for me as well. Like I had no idea who they were until um, early this year when I first heard them. And they've just written 10 to 12 just perfect contemporary rock songs. Just yep. without a sh- without a shadow of a doubt, with also one of the great clean guitar sounds I've heard this year, um, that and that and the Merle clean guitar sound just absolutely perfect. I think they're buying um, clean guitar pedals off the same bloke They're just yeah. that echoey, beautiful little clean hanging over the top. Um, it's just utterly fantastic. Um, Hoy again is the pop song of the year for me, um, and I, it's it's unbelievable, but it's so dark as well and really sad. Um, like songs like Yellow Belly, just really dark and sad, but at the same time beautifully uplifting and endearing. This is um, this is pop rock music in its in its its most endearing and enjoyable for me, um, without irony, um, because this is an album that you listen to and you you can hear the sort of different elements of other bands and other movements and stuff, but the concoction together is quite unique. And I think as, as a result of that, they have just managed to just um, stumble onto something just wonderfully enjoyable here and just really, 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 really special. Um, I can't I can't really um, emphasize enough how I shouldn't like this in any sense of the word. Like I, I can't I can't. I can't explain this to the listener any more than I. I really should by 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 definition by chalk should really despise this record, and, and I doubt I love it. In fact, they they, they are it's an cr- incredible incredible album, um, packed with wonderful lyricism and really thoughtful pop melodies and really well toned guitar and instrumentation that doesn't that adds to but doesn't take away from the overall message. The songs don't like stay the welcome, and there are like four to five. Just tremendous, intoxicating pop hooks, accompanying some some music, some some musicianship of of, of real depth and, and maturity. This band sound like they're like in their thirties. Um, like it's just utterly stunning, utterly stunning. Jack, we've got eight
0: and a half minutes left of this main before we need to reset. Uh, can you fit your fourth choice in that time? Do you think? I, I can do it. Let's do it, mate. Coming at number four on your album of the year this 2021?
1: Uh, Architects for those that wish to exist. Amazing, dude. Tell me about it. Let's take all of the things that you've said about it. And then, you know, I mean, the, the best thing to say is this album was geared for a fan like me, right?
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> where we knew that they were building towards this. That was pretty clear. I loved moments on Holy Hell. I've been a fan since All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. And, progressively they've moved towards a place where I'm like they're getting there. And then I heard the opening stomp of animals oh, and yeah. I was in, there was no way that I wouldn't like this album. And, you know, you talked about kind of cutting off the, you know, the meat and the extra parts, the technicality to it. I love that in certain songs, but for an album, it is, it's always just been too much for me, a fan that predominantly likes vocals and yeah. likes big soaring choruses and like massive hooks and moments and impact of certain you know sections of songs and they took all of that and they were like jack will love this and i was like lay it on me you know black lungs meteor it's everything that you know they've taken or that sort of formula that lincoln park had when they got you know when they got that they absolutely nailed it in terms of their sound and they've done that on this. If you had to liken it for fans of, they'd be in that list, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. there's moments on it as well. I love, you know, coming together of forces, having Winston McCall on a song. Isn't it funny how in the last two years, Biffy Cairo released two albums, but...
0: Damn fundraised. say it,
1: damn say it. The Don't say the best thing he's say done it. is on
0: this album <laughs> Say it, Jack Don't but do the... it, I'll delete your... you out of this yeah. meeting right now I'm hovering over a remove from meeting right now Go on, go on, I believe in you <laughs> I'm hovering over a remove from meeting right now
1: But his two best songs of the year yes! are his own Pathetic Pathetic And correct Pathetic Man, he is on two of the best songs That's not to slight Biffy Cairo I'm not a fan but <laughs> that is on this, yeah. he sounds so much yeah. better when he's on a song he he's hasn't written. He's not calling
2: us back after this meeting, then. over now. Do you I'm say on, he sings on...
0: better on a song he hasn't
1: written? Jack. That he just sounds yeah. better. Everything I don't like about his vocals, he doesn't do. There's a I logic just... to that
2: where you're removed from the pressure of having to like write your own song and keep your own expectations. You just has to come in and do what's instructed, and, and that can actually help, sort of like Eric Clapton style. Um, but Like, know,
1: yo, do comedy. this. Do, do what you do, but do it harder and better. And he's like, okay. And he does it. Oh,
0: sorry. Carry
1: on. There's a compliment in there. I promise there's a compliment <laughs> Sam in God there. I should
2: produce the next Biffy Clara record. That's what that means.
1: <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I buy that. I mean, it, like you were saying, with uh, just to round off, I'll move away from that because obviously we, we're not going to make it through this otherwise. Um, uh, it's it's the same sort of thing as you've just mentioned about Kajira, isn't it? It's yeah. metal done well, yeah, and it's going to be in arenas, and I couldn't be happier yeah. to see Architects in an arena like Parkway did when they, you know, when they broken out in the same sense. You know, it, it, it is. And I think for an architects fan, I know there's going to be. It's a popular thing to complain about the lack of technicality, but you've got to listen to this album. There's still technicality in there. Absolutely. And there's still there's still finesse in there, and there's still good songwriting in there. And you know, like Gojira then done, there's there's a, there's, a, there's an amazing message in you know in a lot of this album as well. Um, it's it's phenomenal. And also.
0: The, the, to mention uh, architects, you mentioned. Yeah, uh, you know, some people might say it's not the heaviest. An ordinary extinction is one of their heaviest songs. Full stop. There's loads of there's loads of huge, great, heavy metal moments on um, for those that wish to exist. So again, I, the, that. Obviously, you know, it might not be your thing. You might not massively enjoy the record, but to, to say it's a bad record or to say, like, oh, I, I preferred Architects when they were, when they were doing Daybreak, Ugh, man, the, 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 there was no way they were still going to sound like the band that did Daybreak. I don't understand where that opinion could possibly come from. But, no, uh, yeah, what a record. It looks like I say, any year apart from 2021, that, that's going to be higher up on my list. So coming in number four for me is Teenage Wrists, Earth is a Black Hole. Hey. What can I add to what Sam has said? Uh, without doubt, the record that has stuck with me the most this year, it came out in January. I immediately told Sam about it, even though it, I completely echo Sam's sentiments, actually. He should hate this album. Everything that this album is should be something that makes him physically ill. But even, even with my knowledge of that, I was still like, Sam, you have to listen to this album. There is something about this that is just just captivating, gripping, infectious, all of those adjectives that, that would suggest that, that it's something that ha- that is worth your time. It's the album that puts the smile on my face the quickest. In terms of pure rock energy, this album really does have it all. It's a record that I discovered purely because of Spotify. And I think the range of people I told about this album that enjoy it speaks volumes about its quality. All three of us love this album. My sister loves this album. My mom likes it. My girlfriend loves the album. Her kids love the album. There's just a complete, literally, the spectrum of demographic there. It's like impossible to plot. It's like an advertiser's wet dream, that is. If you told an advertiser, oh, this product that we've made is going to be perfect for a demographic of the size I've just given you, it would be, it would be fighting in the streets to get rights to it and that's what this album does this album is literally hits all is something for every demo and how could it not be because i don't understand anyone how anyone could hear the chorus on high again and not just feel enamored the pace of new emotion new emotion was a song i'd listen to most i believe on my spotify this year is just oh my god the, the twisting melody On new emotion is a it's just hits hard so brilliant for me and yellow belly with that rem vibe just criminally infectious anthony salazar on drums marshall gallagher on guitar and vocals that duo have created for me a truly special alternative rock record the kind that i genuinely have not heard anyone do to the quality Of this, I've not recommended this album to anyone and they've not come to me and said, oh, that is really good, isn't it? This this song's great, this song's great. That chorus is beautiful. And that's an incredibly hard thing to achieve. And and God bless Twitter and Spotify for letting me find this duo because they really are something else. Sam obviously landed this at number four as well. I echo all of his sentiments and and really there's not a great amount that I can add to, to what he said. This album is... It's a real juxtaposition, really, between dark yet beautiful to listen to. It is odd. It's like it's everyone that loves, everyone that they think that they've heard the best emo album ever, and they think that My Chemical Romance did that. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying this is the greatest emo album, uh, emo album ever made, but if you were huge on emo, a huge of that crossover between pop and rock and post hardcore. Oh my God, do you have to listen to this album? Because it has all of those things, as well as an incredible, incredible amount of variety in its melodic charm and hook. Beautiful, brilliant, dark, engaging, harrowing, just stunning record that I it stuck with me for the entire year. And after after this record in my listings, it really is hairs that I'm splitting for what's going to come number one and that takes me on to number three Sam in your album of the year listening what has come in third Turnstile Glow On I'm so happy to hear that Turnstile are in your top three that is the best thing man that is so cool dude the floor is yours
2: it's the most fun I've had listening to an album all year yeah Um, without a shadow of a doubt this is the most enjoyable record of the year Um, The only thing that has kept it from number one is that there are other albums that are just doing other things to to me that we'll we'll get to, we'll get to later from like a songwriting standpoint. But um, this, um, this is fantastic. This is like um, suicidal tendencies mixed with the Ramones mixed with like hardcore mixed with like every time I die light sort of all bundled together. And just in this, really sort of hypnotic dancey um infectious to, to borrow your term um terrific really pure rock album like like in terms of like what 21st century great rock is now what rock means what what rock 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 should mean to a 21st century listener rock should no longer hark back to 1971 rock hasn't meant the eagles and deep purple for 45 years let's just move away from that that is that is classic rock now that should be in a separate box (laughs) what rock is now what contemporary rock is now is bands like turnstile and bands like the dirty nil and and that type of stuff where there is a um fully packageable and easy to swallow but at the same time incredibly sort of engaging um collection of riffs and that that is what it is there are Approximately um, three thousand riffs on this record. I think that's the exact. I think that's the exact number. Um, um, really squeezed into about ten to twelve songs um, because this is this is a classic punk and a classic rock record tied in with like a teenage um, exuberance and innocence and enjoyability that reminds me of long hooded sweatshirts and sunny days at skate parks and smoking underage. And running away from the police and throwing, throwing eggs at cars. That's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of being young and being younger. It is filled with this kind of like naive rebellion um, throughout alongside sort of like the passion. And then on top of that, it's really, really, really well written and really, really beautifully structured and really uh, well thought of, and the, the 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 transitions between songs are really clever, and there's a depth to this um, that I didn't expect. There is I, uh, an experiment with these sort of aquatic, underwater-style clean sounds that transition beautifully into songs, um, but it just maintains this fleet of foot um, style that is just... It's music in its modern purest rock form, I think, because it is just immediately engaging and you can you groove to it. You can't help yourself. You cannot help yourself listen to this. If you like alternative music and you're not tapping your feet, some of the riffs on here, I'm convinced you don't have like a pulse or a soul. It really is that kind of like, honest honest to God, there, is, there are certain songs I think that should be universal. Like if you don't like click your fingers when you hear the opening to Superstitious, you don't have a heart. I, I, I believe that. Yeah, like, yeah. like there's certain songs that you don't have a choice. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> and, and, yeah. I, and I think, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Turnstile are as good songwriters as Stevie Wonder. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that there's an oh, yeah. element. <laughs> there you
1: are. <laughs> what a,
2: yeah. <laughs> what a take. Um, But, What I'm trying to say is that they stumble on what music is at its most tribal, as its most territorial, which is just sounds, thudding beats, and that concoction of something that you can't really explain. And they seem to have stumbled on that. And then that's mixed with this sort of... um, pop punk at times, sort of youthful exuberance, but also this hardcore punk sort of rebellion and angst and bringing it together. It simultaneously for me feels like a throwback to the songs and, and bands that my dad would used to listen to back in the day, like late 70s, like early class tunes and like stiff little fingers records and things like that that just sound like, you know, late 70s punk, but then mixed with like a modern sort of um sincerity and polish. It's really... Really, really extraordinary. And again, I had opinions about Turnstile that I actually don't back away from. Um, their their albums before this didn't didn't really interest me that much. I thought they were merely okay. Um, I thought that they they were one tracked and repetitive. This is not like that at all. They have got better. And, and we used to talk about this before. Like me to, and to, me and Chris had this conversation before. Where I've said we could like, oh, if you've changed your opinion on them. And I've like, no, I haven't. Like this album is better than their previous stuff. And and he's like, yeah, it is, and 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 that that's the conversation we've had. So like, this is the this is the, this is the line of demarcation for Turnstile. They have transitioned out of being a riff centered hardcore band, and they've found something else. They've found like um, I don't know how to describe it. They found a soul. That's the best way I can describe it. This this music has soul. This music has personality. Um, this music has a, a just a, a childlike infectiousness. And um, that I, 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 can't, I can't quite shake. And bottom line, from track to track, no, so- no album more
1: consistently put a smile on my face than this record. Isn't it mad that Underwater Boy is like a Weezer-style song and it's better than anything Weezer have ever written? Yeah, it's the best Weezer song ever.
2: Oh, right. I like two or three Weezer songs that are really good, so I'm going to hold back. Um, there are three really good Weezer of songs. That, that that that's it. That's what that's my argument. Is, that's is that's one
1: of them good. Underwater Boy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> actually, it is. Yeah, yeah.
0: Jack coming in at third on album of the year 2021.
1: Uh, Rise Against, Nowhere Generation. Okay, dude. Number oh. three, dude. I've been like, this is like the album I've been waiting for. This was like, they, they, you know, they, they <laughs> this... <laughs> talking that to sounds... ourselves. Bangs, man. That is
0: oh, such a man. brilliant
1: like... song, man. I've never heard an album where track by track, I get considerably more excited, you know, the numbers into sudden urge. And I'm like, oh, every time, like even now listening to it, it's like the first time. And, and Sam will know what I'm on about as well. Cause there has to be a mention towards forfeit, mm-hmm. which is the acoustic track on there. Amazing song. Like just rise against do like that, that political with the beautiful in such a poignant way that, no one else does and to be this so many bands this year and I think I heard you saying it earlier in, 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 in one of the podcast episodes I think in the past I'd have written off bands that are on later albums oh yeah yeah. They're, yeah. Re- they're releasing music and it's kind of like you know it's going to be a six or a seven out of ten yeah, yeah,
0: yeah
1: so many albums that like I did not think if you'd have asked me before the release of this album I'd have been like Rise Against will release an album I know I'll love three to four songs on it and I'm okay with that I'll take that mm. Yeah. But for them to release an album that hits my number three of the year in a year where there is a ridiculous amount of good albums, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. And I've always, I think it's, it, it's, it's that affirmation. As soon as I listened to it, it was kind of that affirmation. I was like, oh God, there's so much rise against I love. But this was the, again, it's another one that it's the first body of work in its entirety, which I've gone, that is start to finish, an absolute blinder. It's, I find it magnificent that they're they're not an arena band. And I don't know if they ever will be, but maybe that's part of the charm. And they're just, they're a band that really encapsulate, you know, so much about their performances. You can feel it in a way that I don't think you can with so many bands. And there's so much heart in it, you know. And it's for them to be this far down the line, and it still feel that passion infused is just you can't escape it. Compare their
0: 2010 to 2021 trajectory in their career to Green Day, and there's just no comparisons that like rise against have, have really like tramps them because <laughs> now their generation is brilliant and Green Day haven't written a brilliant album in 17 years. Um, yeah, mate, what a choice. What a choice that is. I love that. Anything else you want to add, Jack, before I get to my third?
1: No. <laughs> it's a great album. <laughs> if you haven't is, listened yeah. to it, listen to it. Like yeah. It's one of those, isn't it? I find it so much harder, with the albums that are good. Because what do you say, apart from... Well, well, kind of like... to add a little, to, just to add a little little
0: inflection from me, I totally understand if you've already written Rise Against Off, and just like I totally understand if you've already written Carcass or Cannibal Corpse Off uh, or cradle of the Filth. Uh, don't do that uh, with all of those bands' albums this year. Or oh, Exodus. Jesus. Or Exodus, Jesus, Exodus. D- don't do that. Or Volbeat, Beat, geez. Don't do that mm. with any of those bands this year. Listen to all of their albums because they're all great. It's what a ridiculous year this has been. And uh, Rise You're Against... you man the year of the comeback and rise against just to accent that point. Yeah. Nowhere generation is a, is a great record, man. And it really caught me off guard. I was not expecting to like it as much as I do. Um, okay. Uh, number three for me, I'm kind of wishing I didn't let Sam go first now <laughs> because number three for me is turnstiles Glove on. And from this point, it really is fine margins that separate my album of the year. And it's almost like really any of my top three could have been number one. And I'd be more than happy with it from what Sam has said how much can I really add? Sam's given a really fantastic description of why the record's brilliant, but there's something indescribable about this album that makes it the single most fun and engaging 34 minutes of the year. It's got this really unusual blend between not taking itself too seriously and then pausing for moments of real grandeur. Um, You know, Fly Again, Alien, Love and Underwater Boy, take these like purposefully serene approaches but still remain utterly capturing to listen to, and without trying to sound like, quote, I told you so, I've loved Turnstile for three years now, and I've always found their ability to rap these kind of heaving guitar, hardcore guitar rhythms around bopping choruses quite stunning. And this is undeniably the least hardcore record they've ever made, but absolutely no credibility is sacrificed. And is it their best ever album? Quite possibly, I'd be willing to have that debate. I, I cannot imagine how much fun Blackout, Holiday, Mystery, Wild World, and New Heart Design are going to be live, and me and Sam see them. I watched their album release show on YouTube, which is filmed by hate Six. Everyone should go and check that out. It's amazing. And the level of interaction, and adoration from the crowd it's just staggering to see. Twitter explodes for them. The underground scene sees them as heroes. I genuinely believe in 10 years' time, we'll either be talking about them as the band that massively outgrew and took hardcore to new heights, or they will be the band that pulled a slayer and remained, quote, the fans' hardcore band forever. It's an incredible record, an incredible achievement, and a special mention for my favourite member of the band, Brady Ebert, the lead guitarist, who is ridiculous and who is, the, who is the member that originally got me into Turnstar, just seeing him, the way he performs, his his lead guitar lines. He's everything I want in a hardcore guitarist. He's absolutely fantastic, but he's, he's grown out of that now and he's everything I want in a rock guitarist with Brendan Yates, a ridiculous, brilliant, captivating vocals. What an amazing, incredible album that could so easily have come number one. That's how ridiculously tight it is at my top three. Okay. We are at number two. Good Lord, the heat. Sam, the second best album of 2021?
2: It's Rightful Place, Trivium, in the Court of the Dragon. Okay, tell me about it.
1: Um,
2: We're talking about um, (laughs) bands reclaiming their reputations or reclaiming their pride of place after um, years sort of in the quote-unquote wilderness. Where better to start and have to continue that conversation with Trivium? A band that really by 2014, we'd all collectively decided what Trivium were. Yeah. And who Trivium could be and the the ceiling of what Trivium were um, kind of like, well, all right, there will always be a B plus metal band. There will always be a second stage headliner at Download. They will always play in front of maximum eight to ten thousand people. And maybe they'll like, you know, lead support for Slayer or something. That would be cool. And we just sort of left them on the shelf thinking to them. When we thought they were going to be the next Metallica. I oh, wasn't that fun. And we just sort of went away. And then Trivium released uh, What the Dead Men Say two years ago, and that was a really, really excellent album. And me and you, Chris, got, got on the review and said, well, hold on a minute. Yeah. This is this is positive. This is really good. This isn't what we expected after the two or three albums of sort of, relatively speaking for Trivium, mediocrity yep. from 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 bands of that calibre. Um, and we thought, well, if they can sort of build this momentum and sort of grab some of the excitement back, then, man, we've got – We've got another metal juggernaut back on our hands again, just at the time when metal is coming back. And and absolutely this happens in The Court of the Dragon is Shrivim's best album since Shogun, at the very least. And, yeah, I agree. And, and I and and I I will listen to arguments to say that it's better than Shogun. And I will I will listen to arguments to say that it's close to ascendancy. If you say it's better, then we're gonna fall out. But I will listen to I will listen to arguments about it. That's that's how good it is because if Ascendancy for me is a, a ten out of ten album, nine point five on the Richter scale, really in terms of like great metal albums, this is incredibly incredibly close to that. But let's just talk about what it is. Um, there are not many metal bands that really have rinsed their own blueprint like Trivium have in terms of doing every possible variation of what a trivium album could be of last three to four to five albums i mean they've already kind of done in the court of the dragon they've already done a japanese martial arts centered uh imperialist japan um concert album and it's called shogun and it was already great yeah to try to even attempt to do that again is is absolutely ridiculous it's like it's like them going, should we make good fellas again and just see if we can, we can just get Riley Otter and, and, and Joe Pesci, just give it a go and see if we can just do the same thing and no, leave the magic alone. Like, do you know me I mean? They, they, they did it and they've, they've done it again. And it's just as good. It's 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 extraordinary how many returns to the same trope. Now I'm thinking about it. It's almost like a, how many returns to the same trope and the same band has ever worked. Ever. The Metallica recorded Master of Puppets 2 tomorrow. Do you think it'd be like even 60% as good? It's it's, it's just never, it never doesn't happen. So it speaks to um, Trivium's ability as um, songwriters, their longevity, their talent, all that is a given. Um, but also the perseverance. Trivium could have happily done another 7 to 8 out of 10 uh, record for their fans, applied for the same amount. But it feels really like they've found some other other inspiration here and i don't know whether it's the lockdown i don't know whether it's the light up changes i don't know whether it's matt heavey having a little bit more time to himself and not feeling the pressure of the um you know tour record tour record thing that turns bands into producing factories that dilutes the quality of their music and having the opportunity to really sit down and just work on his riffs and play for twitch streamers and reconnect with himself and what he wants to write maybe that's paid dividends i'm just speculating but what has come out of this really is one of the most textured and and layered metal albums i've heard for a very very long time in terms of um songwriting in terms of guitar work in terms of intricacy in terms of transitions this is like machine head blackening good in terms of like the 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 complexity of some of the song structures here I don't think it's as good as Machines Blackening. That, for me, is holy hell level all-time great. But I, I'm just t- in terms of the complexity and the, the conceptualised nature of some of the, the songs here, it's just phenomenal. The title track speaks to itself. Shadow of the Abattoir is, you're talking about, you know, how Turnstile wrote um, the greatest Weezer song ever. I, I, um, Trivium did a, a really, really, really impressive version of, of all-time great Iron Maiden on Shadow of the Abattoir. And and no one's remotely mentioning about it because I is still knocking out decent albums, but the Trivium have, have have taken up that mantle for me. And Fall Into Your Hands is one of the great metal album uh, metal songs of the year. Yeah, it, it's just superb, and it it just shines a light on really Matt Heafy as one of the all time great um, metal songwriters and metal riff writers. Um, and for me, he has replaced the decline in Rob Flynn or the decline in Dave Mustaine, and he's right in that. Um, guitar god superstar songwriter um mantle at the moment and he, he, he it sounds like he is in the absolute peak of his powers yeah at the moment because in terms of a consistency um which you've written an album this good for 13 years and it is absolutely stunning and a massive 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 big thing for metal as a genre and for Trivium as a band, and whatever they they can do with this, I think their next tour is going to be massive. Yeah. Um. I just I think this is a massive, massive statement for really one of the one of the one of the great metal bands of our time to really peak, decline, go away for a bit, and then come back and be just as good as their peak. That narrative alone is utterly special. Like I said, I expected this to be 8 out of 10. This absolutely blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. This is another reminder of what an incredible year this has been. Um, where you have Gajira, where you have Trivium where you have these metal architects she sleeps, these metal juggernauts releasing really career level great stuff this is unprecedented um I, I love this album obviously it's 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 built for me and i'm and i'm fully accepting that my bias is probably playing a part here now maybe well, that's the point top, dude this is subjective yeah, stuff man of course but i'm well aware that maybe in a very in a, in an objective list You know, maybe it doesn't sneak up to anybody else's top three. But for me, this is, I'm a massive metal fan and this is the perfect metal album for me. It's just wonderfully, wonderfully written. And I I just, isn't it great to have Trivium back at this point Yeah, It's just, it's just wonderful where we're not saying, oh, Trivium, they're all right. I'll remember when they were great. No, they're great now. They're great
1: now. That's just fantastic for me, man.
0: Jack, the second best album of 2021 is...
1: A teenage wrist. Earth yeah. is a black hole. I
0: knew he was um, going to be up
1: there, really high, as it should be. Go on, dude. Until very, very recently, this was number one. I mean, like, and what can I? It's another one. What you know, you've both gone before me, and what can I say that you haven't already? I think to touch on what you said earlier, there's almost like a surface level listening and a deeper dive that you can do on this. You talked about it, it, it being something for so many fans it's like the follow-up to the to the tony hawk soundtrack but it and and you could take that and leave it where it is you know and i think when you look at some of the demographics that you're talking about there's going to be people that listen to it in that way but then there's 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 you know music listeners and lovers like us that will take that deeper dive and there's like layers to unpick with it it's such a beautiful piece of work i think the only the only things that we haven't mentioned that I just want to bring attention to is like the latter half of the album. There's no drop off in this. Love it's Stella. not like oh, stellar D- to end an album oh. with that. The way it builds and the way it, and, and the way it just crashes its way out. But before that, the title track oh. and where you down oh, and mate and wasting time, wasting oh. time. I was oh. just about to say it. It's just every I've, every oh. single time I've been yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every Stella! time I listen to it, <laughs> yeah. But like, I almost every time I listen to it, I forget because of how good this, the current song is. Like mm. intro kicks in, I'm like, "Here we go!" Yeah, yeah. And you forget what's coming next. And every song comes on, you're like, "Oh my god, I forgot how amazing this was." Yeah. And before I know it, I'm at Stella, and I just can't, I cannot believe that I'm still listening to that a year on, and it hasn't dropped off at all for me at all there's one single moment which i'll mention in my album of the year that the hits and just pushed itself above this and it's it's what sam was saying it's it's that personal factor that uh, that non-objective this is my list so i'll yeah. do what i want um and and that's it that's the separator but you're talking about fine hairs and it, it was this was number one for such a long time amazing amazing album Gosh, i just want to listen to it now <laughs>
0: So the revelation of what's second in my list means that actually this is a first on the noise podcast because this is the closest that mine and Sam's top five is ever have going to be or ever going to be again. Uh, Number two on my list is every time I die is radical. Seriously, as we get here, I am. This is, there are small, small margins between this and what I've put number one. I've said it before, I'll repeat myself. I believe every time I die are one of, if not the best band of the 21st century. Nine albums, all excellent, all varied in some way, all eaten up in swathes by the fan base. You just don't get that from a band apart from another band, which I'm sure Sam knows who I'm going to talk about and might come up.
1: Um, I think I know. My brain's like... going like that. and I think I know it.
0: Sam made one of... The great pieces of analysis of a band that I've ever heard before when we were talking Which about Every this? Time I Die. And it was so poignant. He said to me, he was like, Every Time I Die are your favourite band's favourite band. And oh, yeah. the second he said that, I was like, Oh my God, that is, that is exactly what Every Time I Die are. Every musician that you respect, respects Every Time I Die. And it's true. Sam Carter loves Every Time I Die. Sometimes, architect- obviously, Architects. Everyone from Strife and the Path loves every time I die. Parkway Drive love every time I die. Insert metal band that I love. The the, uh, band that we be talking about that's part of my list: The Dirty Nil. Love every time I die. Insert band that I love. They all love Every Time I Die. They are your favourite band's favourite band, and that is because they're the best. They're genuinely respected world over for their excellence of their live show, their ethics, and their excellent songwriting. If we just hone in on Radical and add some little pieces to what Sam was saying, what on it, where do I start? How on earth can an album that would be so viscerally heavy be equally so fun, engaging, and straight-up anthemic to listen to? You know, if you the second song sly there's moments where keith is screaming awesome as a miracle and it shouldn't be catchy by rights but there's just something about the way that jordan buckley and andy's guitar the way they deliver it just takes it up to a new level um the album is brimming with these colossal moments that are just adrenaline junkie fuel the build up of on on um, Hostile Architecture where he's going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but what did I do wrong? It's the coolest thing ever. Like, I was listening to that. Like, I was listening to it in my headphones earlier and it's the, I could just smash everything in my room. It is the coolest thing. Like, hey, have they written something so, so fun, but it's so heavy. You've got, the way the album album was up with Dark Distance, where it's like, spare only the ones I love, slay the rest. Bang! Pfft. Riff out of nowhere. I adore Desperate Pleasures, when it takes its foot to the gas in the build-up of Desperate Time. That lyric implodes into a classic, Every Time I Die, chaos. And then, you know, I've speak about all the fury of the album, the excellent riffs, the how fun it is to listen to, how you could smash your room, how it's adrenaline junky fuel. But then you've got the band's bravery, with songs like Thing With Feathers, which I've never heard them do anything close to a song like that before. And white void, which is quite possibly my favorite of ridiculous, ridiculous, quite possibly my favorite. Every time I die song ever, the hook on the chorus is just, how have they written that? A band like every time I die, which you would not associate with this high level, clean rock vibe, but they pull it off in spades on white void. And, Again, this is another example of a record on my list that only there is one band that could have written this album, and it's Every Time I Die. Everything you ever want from a hardcore album is here in spades. Um, Give this band everything, because in 2023, Every Time I Die will hopefully release a new album, and I'm telling you now, it will be at least a nine out of ten. How many bands can you say that for, apart from the one that me and Sam are going to finish our list on, most likely? They, they don't exist, especially in hardcore, for the love of God. Nine, hard, nine hardcore albums, and they're still, they're still a nine out of ten. Man, like, Sam, do you want to listen to nine Crow Mags albums? I don't <laughs> want to listen to nine Crow Mags songs. You know I mean? Do you know what I mean? Like, and I like Crow Mags. Crow Mags are awesome. But I don't listen to nine Crow Mags albums. You know, do you want to listen to... Do you want to listen to nine agnostic front albums? Now I, I don't want to listen to nine agnostic front albums. I read their pamphlet once. So I was less <laughs> interested. And the, the, Again, agnostic front are cool, I like agnostic front. But every time yeah, I die, right. there's there's something special about this band and the way they write music. Keith Buckley is a fantastic front man. Andy Williams is a fantastic guitarist. Jordan Buckley is an incredible lead guitarist. The riffs he writes are just stunning and mm-hmm. specifically radical. It's Fury in a jar. Well, it's also Anthem in a jar. And it's also Fun in a jar. And it's these, three, it's these three huge chemicals. I heard it's a jar in a jar. <laughs> it's these three huge chemicals mixed into 15, 16 songs that really, uh, we said this with me and Sam reviewing it, the idea of a 15, 16 song hardcore album does make me, make my blood pressure rise. I don't want it. Malevolence to release an album next year. I don't want it to be 16 songs. I don't, don't do that do 8 songs 9, 10 max and then leave it there that's all hardcore needs but every time I die I can do what they want because they're the best at it. they are the best hardcore band on the planet and Radical is a 9 out of 10 album from the best hardcore band on the planet that I truly I mean intoxicated from the second I listen to Radical it is absolutely incredible I love everything about the album it's clever brave, intelligent, fury, it's fast, it's angry, it's everything. It's everything you want every time I die to be. It's everything you want every hardcore album you've ever ever listened to to be. What a band. What a ridiculous album. And so, Sam, bring it home. The album of 2021. What a year. Close it out, dude, with your favourite album of the year. I think we're going to have to do a joint. Album of the year review, aren't we? I
2: think that's probably the best way we can do it. But, do you know what? Uh, do
0: you know what? The best way, the best way we can do this is by is by doing it joint stand. But I, I, since you were going first, I will give you the pleasure to introduce.
2: It's asking Alexandria. No, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's gb <laughs> oh, well, Sixty sucker Amazing! <laughs> just, just put of the earphones and leave, <laughs> <laughs> and we never do a podcast ever again.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, no, it's Mastodon's. Uh, sorry, Jackson in, in a coma. It's you know, what, Mastodon, Mastodon deserves Hushed.
0: better than this. They deserve better than no. this intro. <laughs> Brilliant. It's, uh, it's, no, yeah, come on.
2: It's Mastodon's Hushed and Grim because, of course, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I'm pretty sure our listeners
0: would have known. They would have the way we spoke about the album, they would have known.
1: Yeah,
2: um, I, I, I don't know, where to. I don't know where to start with this, um, but. Really, really, it's a work of art rather than an album in terms yeah. of songwriting. Um, it's a a mix of just a level of, of musicianship that are, you just don't come across. Macedon are um, Macedon are like a once in a generation collection of songwriters, really. Um, the, the likes of which we haven't really experienced in this genre for the consistency that they have and the way that they write songs and put things together is it, it, it creates this unique sound that that it's just impossible to replicate because there's a there's a little bit of gajira here yeah. in terms of some of the tribal elements of the drums mm. and there's like a little bit of like death tones if you want to go down the whole like um sort of dissonant riffs at times mm. and there's like a little bit of periphery if you want to go down the sort of snaking riffs and all that sort of stuff and like then on top of that that's it, and then the rest of it is just whatever the fuck Mastodon sound like, um, because the the makeup of this band is just absolutely extraordinary, from the the, the multiple vocals to the, the 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 riff work and and the songwriting structures and stuff like that. But let's let's get down to brass tacks. Um, Mastodon have really been writing 9 out of 10 metal albums for Chex Notes entire, the entirety of their career really since 2004 they've written great metal album after great metal album after great metal album album if of the wanna... year factory mate, Mastodon yeah,
0: check 100%. check Metal Hammer's album of the year listings and Kerrangs for every year Mastodon have released an album Mastodon are consistently in the top 2 every single, every time Mastodon released an album they either get album of the year or they get second their album
2: of the year factory, yeah. ridiculous it's it's absolutely astonishing. I remember reading Metal Hammer um in like sort of two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, and just they were just fawning over every everything every Mastodon single, every Mastodon, every Mastodon release. That was Crack the Sky, uh, wasn't it?
0: Two thousand
2: and nine. Yeah, I was I was yeah. just about like, you 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 completely read my mind. I remember reading um their review of Crack the Sky and I was like Double checking—is it Mastodon or are they like re-reviewing like Number of the Beast or something? Because they're, the way that they were talking about it, it was like glowing. This is a classic. The moment you hear it, type um type rarefied air for metal fans type stuff. And then I heard it and I was like, you know what? Yeah, it absolutely is. Crystal Skulls one of the greatest prog metal songs I've ever heard in my life. but like there's just there's there, are, there is not a, there is not a band like Mastodon, um, but. This, I think, is their best album. I think it's, I think it's their best album. It's my favorite. I think it's my favorite Mastodon album, and I will double down on that. I don't think it's that close. I think there's a gap for me, um, because I think, I think the the the, the songwriting here is just gargantuan. So, um, if you, if you, if you are a Mastodon fan or a metal fan in general that likes the progressive long stuff, you've your sport for choice here because they've got a whole host of songs they've got gigantum they've got um the crooks they've got uh, if you if you like the sort of like acoustic slow birthy stuff where it's like sort of melodic and more sort of uh chugging along they've got um have it all which is just a stunningly dark beautiful song um if you want the up-tempo um punky kind of energised mastodon you've got tear drinker and, and 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 pushing the tides as well um but really let's let's talk about the moment chris yeah and you know yeah, yeah let's talk let's talk about let's talk about the moment. The listeners know. Um, the, the listeners do now and i think jack knows too i know uh oh okay well jack's gonna jack's about to know um no let's i talk do know about, i know that i
1: know
2: let's talk <laughs> i know you know um let's talk about the last minute and a half of more than i can chew <laughs> Um, because that was that was the moment the minute literally the second that that really kicked in and really enveloped what you had in that song was a Mastodon song that rumbled along and had traditional Mastodon tropes, incredible riff great drums really nice chorus great transitions and then it kicks into sort of almost separate to the rest of the song almost of its own um, almost encapsulated like a separate song almost in a sort of glass bubble like we've transitioned away from this film scene and now we're staring at this sort of like glass encircled sort of dome that has its own like sort of atmosphere inside it. This whole village and this whole new narrative. we completely transformed to this moment and it's just this beautiful harmonised guitar sound um, with the drums just slowly building behind it. And then it kicks in with just this utterly gorgeous melody. And the drums sort of following a little bit later. There's that, that moment where the drums just kick in and the beat starts halfway through. The bar beforehand just kicks right on the next beat. It's just perfect. And that vocal melody just soaring up, soaring over. And it's really a magisterial goosebumps on the arm moment where you you you, you confirm to yourself, all right. Not only are they incredible musicians, because even even without the vocals, Chris, as a conclusion, this would be gorgeous anyway. Yeah, if it was an um, instrumental, just, it'd be like, wow, it's amazing, yeah theatrical just uh, just majestic but then on top of that these soaring vocals where they're confirmed that not only are we the thinking man's metal band um we are also really quite clearly very easily capable of writing some of the great pop melodies that you've heard on a contemporary metal record maybe ever um because one of the great criticisms of 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 classic metal and progressive metal was the pop stuff when it circled into the chorus. It always felt a little bit forced, a little bit corny, and a little bit like you could kind of hear the band stepping out the comfort zone a little bit. Like, um, you don't really... I don't really ever want to hear Rush write a pop chorus, and thankfully never really have. It's not in, not in their wheelhouse. I don't, I don't want it. Um, you, you want a band, stick to sit, bands stick to their strengths. Do you know what I mean? But with Mastodon, they're able to write these beautifully weighted and soaring choruses and massive, massive moments that feel incredibly uplifting, but also stay within the ramifications of their dark, twisted riff work as well. It, it's extraordinary. On top of that, when you combine that with um, the context, and the weight of the lyricisms and the, and the, the context of the subject matter and stuff. It does add an extra colouring, but I'll be honest that if this album was pants, the lyrics wouldn't make it better. Do you know what I mean? It's not those sort of things where that rescues it. It's just a nice thing to consider That alongside that the band have clearly gone through some grief. It's actually offered some colour and shed some light onto what is clearly a tough time for them. But bottom line for me, this is some of uh, the five to six, seven even, um, incredible metal songs on this featuring some of the greatest um really guitar solos and choruses from a metal album I, I have I have ever heard, not just of the last five to ten. This is this is a stunning piece of work. And this is though we talked about every time I die being here. favorite band's favorite band this is like the thinking man's thinking man's metal band and we're talking about like you're right you're absolutely right great assessment they're an album of the year factory and this might be their best work like it legitimately might be um because it contains all of the elements of what makes mastodon great almost through their, their entire career encapsulated in this sort of hour and a half long thing and and, and I've seen the tw- I've seen the twitter notifications and I haven't heard them out loud people be like oh it's an hour and a half long so lord of the rings was 3 hours and 15 minutes it won 13 golden globes like do you know what I mean some some works of art are meant to be listened to for longer and if you haven't got the patience for it listen to something else like it, then it's not for you is it um because if you if you have to condense this stuff down um, then it, it loses, it dilutes what it's supposed to be. Some Sometimes works works like this and pieces of music like this are supposed to be given time to. You know what I mean? Like War and Peace by Dostoevsky is supposed to be long and tedious. Like it's supposed to be difficult. Same with Crime and Punishment. Same, same with all these wide variety of the, the, the Odyssey. It's called the fucking Odyssey. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it, it Work it out. And the Huston is kind of in that element where it's a beautifully lengthy prog metal album that requires the listener to really throw themselves in. And once you are in, you are just taken in this, this, this world that exists beyond anything I've really come across since like the machine has a blackened in terms of that prog metal um, beauty and brutality blended together because this is heavy. This is tribal. This is percussive. This is short, sharp, riff heavy, but at the same time, this is beautiful, gorgeous, textured, layered, Well written, and it really, for me as a listener, this is again the subjectivity. It combines the riff work of trivia with the progressive nature of Gajera, with some of the dark lyricism of Teenage Risk. Weirdly, with some insane pop punk, pop hook melodies alongside what they're doing, and it sort of combines all of these wonderful things that you love about music together. And for me, it is it's the perfect cocktail. It's not for everybody. But for me, and I think you as well, Chris, it is, um, it's the metal release of the year. Oh, it yeah, it just is. <clears throat> yeah,
0: um, I think that this is the metal release of the year, and it's also the rock release of the year, and it's also the prog release of the year, and insert form of alternative music outside of deathcore, death metal, etc. And it's also that release of the year as well, because. A 90-minute record would usually fill me with complete and utter dread. But I actually think I love every second of this album. I think I genuinely think I love every second of it. Because it's angular, but it's also accessible. It's furious but desolate. It's enthralling but also desperate. It forces juxtaposition upon itself. With it's like constant, constant flux of of passion, pace, tempo. But Tr- true musical mastery in every sense of the form with you being a musician I always like to when we when we review albums like Mastodon's and Green just let you have the floor really and just talk about the musical brilliance of it because your understanding it, it goes further than mine but just the best compliment I can ever pay Mastodon is that you told me listen, man, try Mastodon out. If you don't get into Mastodon, then you just don't like prog and just never try with another band, apart from obviously Periphery I already liked. But, you know, it's like, if you don't get into Mastodon, you're never going to like prog and just never listen to a prog band because they are the ones for you. And I listened to Crack the Sky. I listened to Blood Mountain. And I was like, yeah, these are the band. These are the band that are going to get me into prog. And then as the, it was just the perfect timing for as that was coming around for Hushed and Grimm to be released, and, and right from the opening seconds of Pain With An Anchor, Sam, how that gang vocal builds. Oh, you get beautiful. that sense that you're, you're going to listen to something special, don't you? The way that a gang vocal builds on Pain With An Anchor and that like back rhythm, there's just the inkling that something special is going to happen. And the first three tracks make it a great master album. But when More Than I Could Chew comes in, it it just moves stratospheres. It's one of those... I, you know, I could speak about that song online for 20 minutes, but it really is one of the you stop what you're doing and you listen songs. Because the first time I ever listened to an album and get sent to us, I play it in the background while I'm doing something else just to get like a peripheral listen. And at the time, I can't remember what I was doing. In fact, no, I do remember what I was doing. I was playing FIFA and it, and the song came on and the moment with Bran happened and I paused and I just stopped, I stopped what I was doing. I turned my headphones on, put them on, and I was like, right, I need to experience this because this is ridiculous. And Brand <laughs> Brandyla on this. Side. Brandyla, the, the musician, is just a, a tour de force of, of percussive s- astonishment. He, and, and I think that Mastodon, if you look at what Mastodon are, and we said this in the review, what we've got is a true one-off. Three musicians in Brandyla, Brent Hines, and Troy Sanders, that are genius at their respective instruments and Brilliant vocalists that all bring something completely different. Troy Sanders brings that kind of harsh rasp. Brent, being, Brent brings the kind of southern aching accent. And Bran does these huge, beautiful hook melodies. And those three forces collide heads and just make some of the most brilliant music. And then you've got Bill Kelleher on rhythm guitar as well. It's all just a match made in heaven. There's, there's so much more to this album that I just can't fit everything in. The one-two punch of tear drinking and Pushing the Tides are classic examples of Mastodon's ability to write simplistic, accessible bangers. Gobblers of Dregs is entirely, un- is entirely unique to their skill set and almost encapsulates everything they can be from jagged, progressive metal leanings into rock ambience. Gobbles of Dregs is just stunning how they could write such a foreboding, interesting song. And Mastodon I said they're an album of the year factory and they really are like if you look back statistically when they release an album it tends to get album of the year from rock and metal publications I know this uh, album of the year for Kerrang! is Every Time I Die is Radical I haven't seen where Hush and Grimm landed but uh, I'm not sure what Metal Hammer's album of the year is but I, you just know that Mastodon's Hush and Grimm will, will be up there fighting and I'll be very very surprised if not I think that when we look back retrospectively on this album, Sam, we'll see as, as 90 minutes of music that transcended what we could expect the confines of metal to be. And that's what prog metal is, of course, pushing the boundaries, but this pushes the boundaries of what I would expect prog to be. This does, this is, this is just beyond measure really of what I would expect from a metal release. There's just so, there's so much to this. It's 90 minutes long and, I genuinely believe I love every second of it. I think, it's, I think it's all genius. And then, obviously, you add in the context of, of what the record is about in terms of the loss of their manager. You consider the story it tells, it's ambition, it's variety, it's heart, it's stomp, and you cannot, be, you cannot help but be stunned almost every turn. A truly, truly stunning, stunning record. If Every Time I Die aren't the best band of the 21st century, it is Mastodon. It's one of those two. And we were treated to two of their best works in the back end of 2021. Amazing. There's, you have have surmised the record phenomenally. I have added my kind of ideas. My my ideas is like an outside listener who's not a musician. There's there's just something special about Hushed and Green by, by Mastodon where do you start yeah again with the track do you look do you start you talk about sick piece or peace talk about dagger or had it all there's, there's just there's too much it, it's absolutely phenomenal this album a true one-off by a true one-off band that they'll release an album again in three years and that'll be album of the year as well probably because that's again same as every time i die album of the year factory hushed and grim is the first time me and you have ever agreed on an album of the year ever in the six years last. that we've been podcasting and it finally happened. In fact, our, our top five very, very much mimicked each other, which is fascinating. And what a way to leave off. Jack, take it home, dude. Uh, your album of the year for 2021. I'm fairly certain now what it is, but I want you to actually announce it. I want to give you the pleasure. The best album of 2021 for Jack Holloway. I mean,
1: it... it... It'll come as no surprise to anyone, but it's it's holding absence. Yeah, it, it is. In my life.
0: Yeah, it is. What a record, man! I love that band and I
1: love Lucas Woodland, but this is you, dude. Take it home. For me, this is this has remained. It would be no surprise that this has remained in my top two since its release. Mm. And the moment for me that pushed it in, into into first was when I saw them live. Uh, only a couple of months ago now on their tour and it really brought home to me how much this has done for them, how far they've come. It, it was that kind of uh, sort of that first moment that I saw, oh, well, it's not just me
2: <laughs> seeing
1: yeah. this band. You know, it, you know, for anyone that's, they, they, released, they released their debut a couple of years ago now. And I was completely enamored with it. And I'm going to be because there's so much additional context for me. I can understand the heart, the soul. I know the people behind it. It does so much for you as a listener when you can hear that for a release. To then go to a headline show of theirs at the start of their tour and the venues, despite lockdown, have tripled. They've got amazing acts that have released amazing albums in the last two years, you know, supporting them. And then to come out and you take this album and take the music that they've got here. And I've never, se- I've for a very long time, have not seen a fan base react the way that the fan base did live. And it really just brought together everything that I feel about this album. Awaken to Celebration Song, both live and at the start of that album will remain a moment for this band that I think we will look back on and remember as the moment that got them huge. Yeah. That vocal call of I'm alive. Awesome. Straight into celebration song. And I've met like to hear, to hear the crowd interact with that and feel a part of that. You know, anyone that's seen them live, heard them on record even will know that it just oozes this kind of, this passion. There's like, it's, it's love on your sleeve, isn't it? You know, it, And we haven't had this for so long in terms of music. There's been such a drop off in terms of it. Yes, bands like Funeral for a Friend are making a comeback. But when bands like that were at their peak, there's been such a huge drop off. And I don't think we've seen anything like it until this point. So to see that this album is getting this level of recognition only makes it more special. To see that people are engaging with it the way that they are only makes it more special. They, you know, we talked about Creeper, what was it, last year? And yeah. we talked about people getting, you know, tattoos and writing it in their homework diaries. And it will, it, you know, those sort of lyrics stick with you. That is exactly what this album will do. Fans are not just fans of this album. The majority of the fan base that they have are so part of it. And I mean, not only that, you know, it, they tread that line, don't they, between accessible and heavy, you know, heavy enough, kind of that that emo rock sort of vibe. And every time that they release a song you think, I kinda can't I can't pop that, surely.
0: And I thought the, Bird Cage would be the best song they ever they ever wrote. And how then are you Afterlife top that? and then they did afterlife.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then they drop beyond belief and afterlife and in circles and it's it's diverse. It's, you know, I think, Sam, did I see that in your top 20? That speaks volumes yeah, it's uh, in and of itself. You know, their Wilt is such a highly regarded song off their debut. And then they release Morning Song. The theme behind this album, thematically, it's beautiful. It's got such a personal touch to it. And if you've watched the behind the scenes footage of them recording it, you know, The dedication behind this band driven by Lucas Woodland. I think the only thing that held them back on their first record was he just didn't put enough of himself into it. He slightly held back on that. But this, it's like he's completely opened up himself lyrically. Um, You can feel it in the aesthetic. There's not a single detail that this band don't agonise over. There's not a single part of it that you feel hasn't been thought through. You know, they, the the dedication to get to this point and then to continue doing that is like nothing you know a band has done in a long time, and it takes this le- you know at the particularly at the position that they're at, it takes that for you to separate yourself from the others. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it goes without saying. It almost feels stupid to say at this point that lyrically and uh, vocally it's phenomenal because you've kind of got to the point where you expect it. But what separates these guys from anyone else is Lucas Woodland and his vocal ability. Yeah, it is. He, he knows the difference. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's not to say that every single member in this band doesn't have a really prominent part and they Do Scott Carey, guitarist, has, is a huge part of the songwriting process. But allowing Lucas to put himself onto it and to put his stamp on it and to grow into it is exactly why this album has been heralded the way it has. It's number five in Kerrang's list. You know, they, they made the front cover of Kerrang. It's their sophomore album. Yeah. If they release another album like this, we will look back on this album as a point that changed things in that regard. And I mean, that makes me nervous as a fan because you're you're, you're almost they feel like a band that you want to get behind. They feel like a band that you're pining to do well. Yeah. You know, and you get like that when you have a, you know, you, you have a, you know, a con- you feel like you have a connection. And I think that connection is probably the biggest part of it too. You ask any fan of this band and they won't just talk about a surface level love for the songs. It's got so much in it. And the culmination of seeing that on their headline tour was beautiful. It's hard to escape the fact that there's that small personal factor to see people on stage that you that you can see have broken into that. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. There was no way this couldn't make my. If their third album flops, it's fine because I put this number one. I might not get an opportunity again, but I'll keep my fingers crossed.
0: No, you know what? Like, I, I won't even. I wouldn't. Obviously, I wouldn't anyway because it's subjective and it's your list. It's what you've enjoyed. But, dude, cool. Like, I, I love. The Greatest Mistake of My Life. It's a great record. I think Lucas Woodland is brilliant. I, I saw Holden Absent at 2000 Trees in 2019 and I stood there, sung every lyric with a massive smile on my face just having the best time. Cause they, I, I love everything about the band. They're amazing. And, and Luke, but Lucas, it really, he, Lucas is the difference. He is the, the real driving force. That's no, that's no slight to any of the other members. Obviously they're, they're all very accomplished musicians, but Lucas is the big difference. I would never even attempt to argue that being your number one album of the year, mate. It's perfect for you. It's a great, great record. I love it. The greatest mistake of my life. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. I can't remember exactly where I put it in my in my uh, top twenty. I think I might have put it thirteenth. Let me just double check. Um, greatest mistake of my life. Yep, thirteenth. I I'll put it thirteenth. Again, no slight, though. it's a great record. I love it so much, and that's a fantastic way to uh, to leave it off, Jack. And there it is. 2021 is done for the noise podcast my god what a ridiculous ridiculous year uh for music this has been um we should close off by thanking you for first listening to this episode and thank you for any episode you would have listened to thank you to everyone who subscribed on youtube or watch one of my or sam's interviews we've done the 15 16 interviews this year we've done like 30 episodes it's been for a crazy year, me and Sam are not going to stop here. We're going to be back in 2022, going as hard as ever. We're going to crack on. And we're going to keep trying to bring you the best musical content and best musical views that we possibly can. If you are still listening, my God, I appreciate you and I respect your endurance because we've been going for like two and a half, two, three quarters of hours here. The, and I held back on some of my discussions. Good Lord, what would have happened if we... Imagine if me and Sam didn't have like a similar top five. Because I would have had more to say about mine. We've gone for like four hours. Anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you to Jack. Thank you to Sam for joining me on this journey this year. Uh, we are going to be back in 2022. Haven't even thought about the hours we're be reviewing yet, but we will be back nonetheless. Um, thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on YouTube, like or follow, depending on whichever service you use. Follow me and Sam on Twitter at Noise Podcast. We are going to be back in the early stage of 2022 reviewing surely what could not be an album a year that's as good as 2021 we'll see what happens thank you so much for listening we love every single one of you we appreciate you it means the world to us we'll see you in 2022 we love you bye